you're about to experience a powerful and life-changing message. We expect God's Word to accomplish in your life the very thing He sent it out to do. We have been teaching a series uh, most recently on living free from fear, and we just say no to fear. Uh, fear uh, should be a thing of the past in our lives. Uh, everybody has dealt with it at some point in your life, in some way, some degree, some measure, but nevertheless, uh, the love of God can overcome and will overcome fear. Uh, we looked at a verse last week in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. In contrast, God has given us a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind. So God wants us to live with peace in our minds, having a sound mind, and uh, He wants us to live in the love of God, because love will overcome fear, and faith in God will overcome fear. So in this particular passage today, in 1 John chapter 4, we will begin with verse uh, 15, 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. And uh, just as a way of background, in uh, 1 John, uh, you see a lot about the subject of love. You see it in 2nd and 3rd John as well, but in the, also in the Gospel of John, you'll see a lot about the subject of love, the love of God. And uh, so the love of God is something that we must, uh, I believe, major on in our lives, uh, because if we... Uh, major on the love of God or acknowledge that is a most important, one of the most important things in our lives, then our focus would be on that truth uh, about the love of God. It enables us to walk in love, and uh, the love of God will change your life, and it'll change those around you as well. And so let's look in verse 15. It says, And whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that means you believe on Jesus. What do we do in, uh, according to Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 9, that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess what Jesus as Lord or Jesus is Lord, uh, with your mouth you shall be Say, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so, in that particular verse, we, uh, verse 9 of chapter 10 of Romans, uh, you see that uh, believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confessing Jesus as Lord with your mouth brings salvation to your life. Well, this uh, particular verse here in 1 John chapter uh, five or, or four and verse fifteen says, "Anyone or whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God." When you say God dwells in you and you dwell in God, it's more of an organic union. For example, uh, this particular glass right here has water in it. The water is in the glass, but the glass is not in the water. The glass and the water are separ easily separated, right? 
But when it comes to your union with Christ or your union with God, God dwells in you, you dwell in God. I speak of it as an organic union because in 1 John, or actually in John, excuse me, John chapter 15, Jesus speaks of himself and of those who are in union with him. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So there is a, a, an organic union. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He said, without me, you can do nothing. But if you dwell in him, you're abiding in him, then you can bear fruit. If you're abiding in him, you can bear fruit. Well, if you look at Galatians chapter 5 and study chapter 5, uh, you'll see if you walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the what flesh, right? Uh, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, he contrasts the lust of the flesh with the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, he labels out or lists out a number of lusts of the flesh. And uh, it's not an exhaustive list, but it is a good start. So if you can't find yours in there, uh, you can go ahead and include it. All right, so uh, he talks about the uh, lust of the flesh in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. And the nine fruit of the Spirit are listed there. And he said, but the fruit of the Spirit, talks about the lust of the flesh. Then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, what? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. So he says, the fruit of the Spirit, he begins with this fruit called love. And if you walk in love, all these other fruit will be manifest as well. Because they're all tied to love. If you're not walking in love, you're not going to have any joy. Or you might have a little bit, but if you had it, you'd probably lose it if you don't get back in love, right? All right, so if you're walking in love, then you'll maintain a life of peace. If you're walking in love, you're going to be patient and kind. If you, if you study on the subject of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, uh, in the Amplified Bible, you'll see that the fruit of the Spirit is involved in love. So then, if you're walking in love, you're going to be kind. So if you're not being kind, then uh, you might want to check up on your love life. Right? Are you walking in love? And uh, so, uh, meditate on the love of God. Meditate on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Bible. And then love will be amplified in your life. And so then, he says that uh, if you're... Walking in the Spirit, you're going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, one of those fruit being love. So the first and primary fruit of the Spirit is the love of God. So here in this verse, in back in uh, verse uh, 15, he says, Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. Again, that is an organic union. There is a spiritual union between your spirit and Christ's spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Other translations say, one with him in spirit, meaning that your spirit has been joined to the spirit of Jesus. Now, that's a big deal. Now, if that doesn't excite you just a little bit, 
you don't really know what I'm talking about. Praise God. So when you're joined to Jesus, Jesus Christ is living on the inside of you. God is indwelling you, dwells in you. You dwell in God. You're spiritually connected to God himself. That changes your inside. That changes your your inward person. It changes your nature, and it changes you from a nature of hate to a nature of love. Thank you, Jesus. So the love of God is something that you are born of. Let's go on. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. For God so what? Love the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish. But what? Have everlasting life. So that's God's love to us. God gave his son. Now he says again in verse 16, for we have known and believed that God, the love that God hath to us. That's the love that he expressed to us in the person of his son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died, what? For us. So while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God commended to us. This is the love of God, one translation says in Romans 5, he says, proved. So God proved his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the love of God to us. We have known and believed the love that God has to us. Then he says, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So God has love to us, but when we get in Christ or we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, then God dwells in us. So we've, had, we've walked, to, uh, walked from to us, the love to us, to now the love in us. Because God is love. Now it doesn't say God has love. It's not like... Something God just carries around in his pocket and he takes it out, lays it down, right? If you, if you have a wallet in your pocket, gentlemen, or uh, you have a wallet in your pocket and you take it out and you lay it down, you had it, but now you don't have it, right? So the love of God is something that is in you. God put it in you. All right, so it is part of your spiritual nature. Uh, we'll, we'll say what Peter says. He said, you are partakers of what? The divine nature. You've been made partakers of the divine nature. So you have this love nature on the inside. You just have to be notified. Because a lot of times, Christians have love on the inside. Anybody ever, uh, even though you know that you have the love of God on the inside, uh, you, you kind of stepped out of that for a minute. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him because God is love. So every step out of love would be a step out of God. Or every step away from love would be a step away from God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not still saved or born again. You have God's love on the inside of you. You're just not walking in the Spirit. 
So Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses this phrase, in the Spirit, and it's used by other writers of the New Testament as well. But in the Spirit is a pretty important, simple principle for every believer to have some understanding of because in the Spirit is where you have life from God. In the Spirit is where you're connected to Jesus. In the Spirit is where God dwells. God dwells in your spirit, and God lives on the inside of you. So if you're aware of your spirit, then something of God is going to come out of there. So God indwelling you. And uh, we really need to live with God uh, inside-minded. In other words, we're thinking of more than what we see. We're thinking about more than what we feel. Because if you uh, just go by your feelings, you will often not walk in love. Love is a whole lot more than feeling. Because if it doesn't run deeper than feeling, it's fickle. I said if it doesn't run deeper than feeling, it's fickle. Because love is something that is stable. It is eternal. It's God's love indwelling you. And so uh, when things disturb your peace or your mind. In other words, somebody didn't do what you wanted them to. Because we tend to be. Let's be honest. Selfish. All right. So, right. Uh, Self-centered in the sense of not really self-centered. Because if you get in touch with your new self. Amen. We could really call that, you know, selfish having to do with your flesh. And so, in other words, people want what they want. Husbands want what they want. Wives want what they want. Children want what they want. Parents want what they want. And if we would really examine the way people live, and sometimes ourselves, and that's really where you need to start. All right. I stopped on purpose so you could think about that. (laughs) So... So if we would think about ourselves, but uh, many times what we want for others, many times, is really what we want for ourselves. But if we want it, actually Hebrews talks about we discipline our children after our own pleasure. Well, really it should be about what is it going to do in their life? How is it going to impact them? And they're going to have to figure that out. You know, why does God discipline us? Because he wants it uh, it to be good for us. He wants us to have life good and it to be well for us, right? All right, so God chastises us. uh, And certainly I don't want to get into all that because some people have a lot of different ideas about what I just said. But really God works with our spirit. He talks to our spirit. Amen? And so... Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and direct you and keep you on course if you'll listen to it. It's like Pastor B.B. Hankins used to say, God will, the Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius if you'll listen to him. In other words, he'll make you look smart. God will make you look smarter than you really are. You know, some of the smartest people, intelligent people in the world can do some of the dumbest things. It's like, and you're, that's, and you're so intelligent, and yet you do some of the dumbest things. I, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those people. 
because you're smart and also walking in the Spirit. Amen. So, so you want to walk in the Spirit and maintain some intelligence as well. So, but if you just depend on your natural reasoning and your natural mind, you're not going to walk in love, not consistently. Because your natural mind it tends to want what it wants. And it really wants what it wants for itself. And your flesh wants what it wants for itself. But the Holy Spirit will enable you to walk in love. And love believes the best of every person. That would be your wife, your husband, your children. Thank you, Jesus. They don't always do what you want. But you still believe the best. Right? And you believe God's working in them. Understanding that God's working in them, there's some things you can't do that only God is going to be able to do. Only God, by the Holy Spirit, is able to do in them what needs to happen in their heart. You know, a love for God and a love for Jesus, listen, will make you live right when nobody's watching. I say when nobody's watching. Nobody knows what you're doing but you. Y'all don't need to be too quiet right now. You don't want me to go down that trail, right? So, but nobody's watching but you. But when you love Jesus, you want to serve God when nobody knows but you. But generally, what you do in secret will be broadcast from the housetop. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. So... So really, the way you live in secret generally is going to be exposed to other people. Eventually. You say, what if it never does? <laughs> All right. I'm going to get back to my message. Are you all ready? All right. All right. So walking in love. Everybody say walking in love. Walking in love, walking in love is conscious of God. Living with a God consciousness. In other words, God's with me all the time. God's with me when I go to the grocery store. God's with me at the restaurant. God's with me at the house. God's with me on the job. God's with you everywhere you go. And sometimes you say stuff. Come on. You ever said stuff and then you walked away and said, I shouldn't have done that. Right? That's your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit on the inside. I'm really glad for a conscience. People that have no conscience are really crazy. They're the people that murder people and have no conscience. They're the people that just destroy someone else's life and they think it's okay. No, it ain't okay. Not good English, but you get the point, right? It's just not okay. What people do in this world is not okay. And so people live without conscience because they've done something so many times, they think it's normal. They think that they're normal and you're abnormal. <laughs> Amen. It's the way the world calls many times good evil and evil good. They got it backwards. The only way you're going to keep it straight is stay in the Word of God. And stay in the love of God. The way you're going to keep things clear in your mind. Because there's a spirit in this world that confuses everything. 
I said there's a spirit in this world that confuses everything. And if you listen to the world all the time talk to you, I can tell you, you will live a confused life. But if you listen to Jesus, listen to the Word of God, and listen to the love of God, you will live in peace while they're in turmoil. So while they're living crazy and running wild, you just say, well, the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Now, you love them, but you're not living like them. All right. Let's go back to this verse. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him because God is love. Now, you're dwelling in God. You're dwelling in love. Let's go to verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Herein, now you got to tie the verses together. He that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein, or in God, is our love made perfect. So if we're going to develop this kind of perfect love in our life, we're going to have to live in him. Or we're going to have to abide in him. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. So living in God, dwelling in God... Meaning that you're living with a consciousness of God. It's not like every day, you know, when you get in the flesh, your spirit just steps outside of Jesus. And then you get back in the spirit and your spirit steps back into Jesus. No, you're just walking in the flesh. And you're walking after the natural mind. Walking after the spirit of this world. But in your spirit, you're born again. Your spirit is connected. But what we want to do is dwell in Him. How many have a house? Are you in it? No, but you, you're going home probably after church. And, and you would call that your dwelling, right? You would dwell in that house. That's your house. All right, so you go home to that house, but you're not in it all the time. But the key here is that you can dwell in this spiritual life all the time. Because God goes with you where you go. And you can dwell in God or you can live in God. You can maintain a consciousness of God every day of your life. Praise God forever. And actually, every moment of your life, but nobody's mastered that fully yet. But if you live with a consciousness and awareness of God and live with a God-inside-minded or your sights or your focus is on God, even though you're doing natural things, you don't get out of touch with God. You're doing natural work on your job, but you're not just working in the flesh totally. You understand? You can work with your body. Your body is referred to as a temple of God. Am I helping somebody? Your body is the temple of God. Your body is your dwelling. Your spirit dwells in your body. And your body is the temple or the dwelling place or the house of God. So your body is the house of God. And God's in you all the time. But how many people are living with a consciousness of God? If you live with a consciousness of God, you don't eat five bags of french fries. I thought I'd wake somebody up on that one. All right. Because <laughs> that's God's body you're feeding. God dwells in your temple. 
So you want to take care of your temple, right? Hope nobody said no. Somebody said, oh, I got to quit eating those five bags of french fries. No, take care of your body because your body is a temple of God. And God wants to live in you for a long time. Or if you have a temptation to, to sin and, and, and do things that are contrary to God's will for your life, when you have that temptation, you say, no, God lives in this body. This is God's body, and I'm going to walk in love with this body. All right, let me give you a scripture. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. Now, that's a consciousness, isn't it? I was crucified with Christ, meaning your old self was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. In other words, it's no longer I that lives. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. But then he takes it further. He says, now Jesus lives in me. And he says, now the life I live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, this body that I'm living in, I'm living now by faith in the Son of God. So every day of my life, every moment of my life, our goal is to live with a God consciousness. My old self was crucified. That old sinful nature was crucified. I'm a new man in Christ, a new self in Christ. I have a new life in Christ, and I am the love of God. The love of God's in me, and God's dwelling in me, and love dwells in me, and I dwell in love. I'm living in the love of God. Hallelujah. And then when your mind gets tempted and tested, whoo, you reel it back in. Because if you don't control your mind, your emotions, something else in this world will. The devil will certainly oblige you. And he'll take advantage of you. If you don't control your flesh, something else will. This world will control you. This world mind will control you. What you soak in will control you. In other words, if you listen to the world all the time, you're soaking in the world's mind all the time, it's going to dominate your thinking. But if you're listening to the Holy Spirit and making God your main focus, in other words, you are dwelling in God, living with a God consciousness and awareness of God, and really living with something in your heart that would say, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond to this situation? How would Jesus respond to what just happened? What would he do? Well, I can tell you, he's not always so quick. Even when Jesus ran him out of the temple, he could have just went ahead and done it. But he made a whip. He thought about it. I'm sure he talked to the father about it. <laughs> father, is this really what I should do here? And the Lord said, yep. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Even when you express anger, because sometimes you need to. It needs to have some restraints. If I express anger, you better know I'm serious. Because I'm very restrained. 
But at a certain point, you just cross the line. The best thing for you to do right now is back away. Because <laughs> what I just said is what I meant. You didn't, get in the, you didn't get it in the low tone. You didn't understand it in the kindness of my voice. The sweetness of my voice. You didn't get that. I said it five times, but you didn't get that. We all have our limits, right? But when you express it at that limit time, you still have to have restraint. I do mean what I said. <laughs> but I want you to understand, because are you with me? I mean, if you, if you work with people, you know at a certain point somebody's going to cross the line. Right? And so if you've never had anybody, anybody in the room had somebody cross your line. Some people have a, a real short fuse. I have a long fuse, but you're getting close to the blow up here. So we want to, before you get there, we want to shut that down. Because everybody has that. And so uh, don't look at me like you're so holy. All right, so... God knows he went home with you. All right, so, so you want to you wanna shut that down before the real explosion occurs. So the Holy Spirit will help you to manage your emotions and manage them appropriately. And the love of God will help you manage your emotion and manage it appropriately so that people in your, in your relationship circle understand you. There's a lot of times, I mean, for a long time in my marriage, you know, I, I had, my fuse was so long. My wife didn't understand I did have anger. I just would cover it up. Until one time, I let her know. <laughs> After that, she has never forgot. I do have anger. I just had kept it so quiet. I had managed it, but I had overmanaged it to the point that it was so suppressed that I needed to inform her that I have feelings as well as you. Right? So some people are very quiet, and then when they explode, you know. Other people, man, their fuse is about that long. Man, they explode all the time. They're like, and then they are over it in the next five seconds because they already did it. The rest, of the, uh, the, re the rest of the family and people around them are just shattered on the wall, you know. But I'm good. I, I let it out. I feel better now. So there's somewhere in between there that we need to find. In other words, we need to find an in-between point where we're not so explosive that we're exploding all the time on people and people that we love and care about and then and even people that maybe are not so close to us. But then, on the other hand, sometimes you need to let people know in love there is a, there is a line. There is a boundary in my life that is... You're, you're about to cross, or maybe you've already crossed, and I'm asking you to back it up. 
respectfully back it up. In other words, you back off a little bit. I'll come your way, you come my way, and we'll work it out, and we'll walk in love. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? All right, so if we do that, then it can be a wholesome relationship. Otherwise, somebody is not happy at the house. Otherwise, somebody is not happy on the job. Otherwise, somebody's not happy in this friendship. In other words, every relationship needs to have its boundaries. Glory to God. Am I helping somebody? I believe I am. So, when you're walking in love, we don't mean that you just let everything just roll over you. No, it means that you are in love, respectfully responding. And maintaining some boundaries, that's wholesome for them, and it's wholesome for you. All right, so let's go further here. He said, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he what? As he is, so are we in this world. As God is, think about this. This is a pretty big statement that, that John just made. He said, as he is, so are we in this world. Now, what did he just tell us that God is? God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So then, in this particular verse, he said that as Jesus is or as God is, so are we in this world. And we will even have boldness because of that, in the day of judgment. Because as he is love, so are we love in this world. So the love of God is in you. It is a part of you. Thank you, Jesus. So if you have this love of God, the same kind of love that is in God as he is. Now, now just think about it with me. As he is, so are we in this world. So we're not talking about, you know, people think, oh yeah, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like Jesus. You might want to start working on that now. No, you're like him right now on the inside. It's just about living with that consciousness or that awareness of who you are on the inside and expressing who you are on the inside on the outside. So as he is, so are we in this world. Now go to the next verse. You were wondering when I was going to talk about fear, right? Well, you got to talk about love. Your emphasis has to be on love in order to get rid of fear. Let's go to the next verse. There is no fear in love. Whew. Boy, that's a big one. There is no fear in love. Now, if you're dwelling in love and dwelling in God because God is love and God is dwelling in you, in other words, your focus and your attention and your consciousness and your awareness is on the love of God. So what's happening? You are focusing on God. And the more you focus on God, the more you see yourself in Him. And the more you see yourself in Him, the less you see of your flesh. 
flesh. In other words, your flesh does not become the focal point. The focal point is Jesus Christ in you. And if you study the New Testament, the focal point in God's mind is not on your flesh. He does address your flesh. He does address your sin, your behavior. But he tells you if you look on the inside, then what's on the outside can be altered because your focus and your attention is on who you are in Christ. What you have on the inside will dominate what's on the outside rather than the outside dominating what's on the inside and getting lost in the mix. Are you with me? So Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you gives you hope that the glory of God can and will be revealed in your life. So he says there is no fear. Everybody say no fear. So if we're living in a consciousness and awareness of the love of God, there is no fear in this love. But perfect love does what? Casteth out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. So the more we develop in this love of God, now God's love itself is perfect. But we're still being perfected in it. I say God's love itself is already perfect. You don't have to perfect God's love. You're being perfected in the love of God. So in other words, the love of God is already perfect. The more conscious you are of it and the more you're focusing on it, then it will transform your life. It'll transform your thinking. It'll alter your thinking. It'll alter the way you think because love thinks no evil. So then love will alter your thinking. It'll alter your emotion. Whoo! How many are glad for that? Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to Jesus. So love will alter your emotion. And sometimes when you're thinking evil, then your emotion just gets all stirred up. Right? But then when you pull back on that, say, no. Love believes the best of every person. I said love believes the best of every person. If we had a constant practice of this in our life, we would find ourselves much more at rest. Because easily people do things that stir us up in the flesh. Some people, they are like, Really masters at it. But you got to learn to not let them control you. Because if you let other people control you, they will. Somebody will know your buttons. Watch this. And some people delight in it so much, they'll tell somebody else and kind of, hey, watch this. They'll try to punch your buttons and push your buttons and see your reaction. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you can surprise them. That may be the way you acted before the last five times, 20 times. Hey, you didn't do that. You know, if people lose control of your life, they'll quit trying to control you. It's true. If people lose control of your life, in other words, they can't control you, they'll quit trying. Now, some people, they'll try a long time. (laughs) After a while, they give up. 
Because it's the devil. It's the flesh. Even the devil gave up on Jesus after a while. You know, he tried a few times, tempted him a few times, but then he said, it says he left him for a season. They may come back around, the devil may come back around, and he will try you again, test you again. Some people, they'll come around, try it again. But if you don't let people control you, you walk in the love of God, you're not afraid, you're not intimidated, you're not letting people or the devil intimidate you all the time. Am I preaching good? I'm feeling better about it. Hallelujah. So he says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Somebody say, cast it out. Because he says, fear has torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. Fear is tormenting. And the devil is a tormentor. He likes to torment people. He likes to keep you afraid, intimidated, feeling like you can't live. You're so in this box. But no, you don't have to be afraid. Perfect love casts out fear. Now, it's like this. God's love serves an eviction notice on fear. So how are you going to live with this consciousness and awareness of the love of God and overcome fear? How are you going to do that? Well, you gotta, you got to talk about love. If you're talking about fear all the time, you're probably going to be afraid. But if you're talking about focusing on, concentrating on, and connecting with God, and in fellowship with God, and focusing on the love of God, it's amazing how you will just live in the peace of God. You'll live, you'll enter in the, into rest. He that believes has entered into rest. Instead of living every day stressed out, fearful, intimidated, and, and not knowing what, what your next step is, because, my God, if I do that, it could, the whole world could crumble. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm entertaining myself right now. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. Amen. It's not as it seems many times. What the devil would like to paint of your, in your life, the situation, the circumstances, or maybe people, whatever's going on in your life, sometimes the devil will just like to amp that up, and he just wants to feed, because it's like this, if you feed on fear, fear will feed on you. <laughs> so we don't want to feed on fear. I'm not going to feed on fear. I'm not going to let fear dominate my soul. I have, I have been dominated as a teenager by fear. So I know what it's like. So I made up my mind, we're going to reverse that course. We're going a different direction. So I started getting into the Word. And actually, I was in the Word. But the devil attacked me to see if he could stop me. But I said, nope. Hallelujah. By the grace of God. It's a story in itself, so I won't tell you the whole story. But basically this, I kept focusing on the Word. Kept focusing on Jesus. And you know what? God brought me right through that mess. 
came out on the other side. Hallelujah to Jesus. Fear is a tormenting thing that wants to dominate a person's life, intimidates you every day of your life. But thank God the blood of Jesus, the love of God, Jesus himself, Christ in you. There's something in you that's greater than fear, and that's the love of God. And there is no fear in love. And perfect love cast out evicts fear, serves eviction notice. Hallelujah. And so every day you speak about the love of God, you talk about the love of God, you meditate on the love of God, and while you're praising God and thanking God for the love of God, then you're serving an eviction notice on the devil. You're serving an eviction notice on fear, and fear has to get out of the door. Hallelujah. Has to run down the street and find somebody else he can feed on because you're not going to feed on it, and it's not going to feed on you. You're not going to allow fear to dominate your soul, your mind, your emotions, your body, your life, your health. It's not going to dominate your family, not going to dominate you on the job, not going to dominate your business, not going to dominate your life. You refuse to let fear control your life.